Welcome to episode number 39 on the My Story Podcast. The My Story Podcast features interviews with leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs who tell their story and the life lessons they've learned along the way. Hi, I'm Conrad Weaver. I'm so glad you decided to join us today for the podcast. My guest today is Teresa Scanlon, the 2011 Miss America. Teresa won this title at the young age of 17. Today on the show, Teresa talks about the challenges of being so young on a global stage and how that has impacted her life and how it has shaped who she has become today. Be sure to stick around for her compelling story. Hey, if you enjoy the My Story podcast, I encourage you to leave us a review, leave a five-star review if you don't mind. It really helps us rise in the rankings and gets more people an opportunity to find us and to listen to this podcast. You can also now become a Patreon subscriber, a Patreon supporter of the My Story podcast. And in return, I will give you the video content of most of these interviews. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can now see what's on the podcast and watch the interviews even as I create them. To access the videos, click on the Patreon link below in the show notes, select your level of membership, and voila, you'll get the video content. And thank you for your support. Please share this show with your friends and family and let them know about the important work that we're doing here at the My Story Podcast. And now, here's my interview with Teresa Scanlon. Well, Teresa Scanlon, welcome to the My Story Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today here on the program and for being a part of this show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So tell us, who is Teresa Scanlon? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. So 10 years ago, I think the primary uh, way I would have introduced myself is as Miss America 2011. So coming up in January, it's exactly 10 years, actually coming up on my 10 year anniversary. Uh, Today, I am also a member of the Air National Guard, a student at Berkeley Law School, um, graduating in 2021, and a mom to my four-year-old son, Jace. In the things that I've read, you were one of the youngest Miss America winners in history. That's right. Yeah. What was that journey like? I mean, how did you get there? I mean, I think it had been since uh, it had been about 78 years since a 17 year old had won. So um, I had started competing when I was 13, beginning of high school to try to earn scholarship money. And that was what started it all. Um, I had seen an ad in the local paper for a county fair pageant that I think the prize was something like a $200 scholarship. But you know, at 13 years old, how That's else are you going to earn a $200 scholarship? So, so I figured, okay, let me, let me try this and see what happens. Um, I knew I wanted to go to law school. That's all I've ever wanted to do. I'm one of six kids. And so I knew that I would need to earn scholarships <laughs> to pay my way through law school. Um, so I had competed in that pageant and somehow ended up winning. And I loved it. And I continued to compete throughout high school and I won some, I lost some, you know, it wasn't at all this kind of, oh, this is definitely my thing that I'm great at. And I'm, you know, number one, every time I compete, it was nothing like that, but it was something I loved doing. 
it helped challenge me in every area of life as I competed. And so when I graduated high school at 17, I was eligible to start competing for Miss Nebraska and Miss America. And I did the first year that I was eligible thinking, you know, this will just be practice. I'll see what happens. And instead, I won Miss Nebraska right away two weeks after I graduated high school. Wow. And that took me to Miss America six months later. And all of that, you know, was, was completely unexpected. All of that in a six-month period. So here you were not even competing in, you know, right. the, the big show. And <laughs> in six months, you were Miss America. Right, right. That's got to be, as a 17-year-old, I mean, I know what my daughter went through when she was 17. It wasn't always pretty. And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just the stress of, you know, we had a, we had a great childhood then she turned 12 and she turned into something and then she turned 17 she turned into something else and it was like <laughs> I can't imagine having the stress of that now being in the yeah. national spotlight what yeah. was that like I mean it's a lot of big changes for sure and you're right just generally of course around that age it's a lot of big changes um, I felt you know pretty secure in in who I was and my identity and I felt confident and great coming into it and competing but I definitely didn't think that there was any chance I was going to win. Um, you know, Nebraska had never had a Miss America. It mm -hmm. had been 90 years, right? I was the 90th anniversary of Miss America. Nebraska had never won. So everyone would just say, oh, it's not possible for Nebraska to win. Kind <laughs> of like, you know, oh, they never win. It's, there's no way. And then, of course, on top of that, the age thing, uh, I just figured my chances of winning were were just zero. So when I won, that definitely was a huge change in plans, a huge change in my life, sure. everything um, that, you know. Because now you're kind of under their control, for lack of a better word, yes. for a year, right? No, completely, completely. It's interesting. You, yeah, your life is definitely not your own that year. You are on the road every single day. Um, I was home a week for Easter and two weeks for Christmas, I think. But other than wow. that, you're on the road 24-7. Um, you know, we traveled to 40 states and five countries that year. Wow. Um, it's, it's very busy. It's very stressful. And then on top of that, though, on top of you trying to do your job to the best of your ability, there's, of course, now all of this public criticism all of a sudden. Mm. And mm. yes, being young, being from Nebraska, all of these things, I had just never dealt with something like mm. that before. Um, it was going from you know, a nobody from Western Nebraska one day. And then that night, all of a sudden, when you win, um, people are looking into everything about you mm -hmm. are, you know, making fake accounts with your name, or, you know, just anything you could think of. And, and, um, you know, you begin to do media interviews, and people start to talk about you online. And of course, we all know, and I think it's become more of a topic of discussion these last couple of years, is how vicious that can really be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. how, how, criticism really can be um, so harmful, especially to young people, but to anybody really. Mm -hmm. And so that was definitely a whole new thing to deal with at that point in my life um, as I you know, thought I knew who I was and what I was about. And then that just constantly being sort of under attack from different angles. And I know that for me, one piece of my identity had always been education, intelligence, academics. That was what I had really focused my life on and what I was most proud of. So it was interesting winning a title like Miss America, of course, the thing that gets attacked most is your intelligence, right? Wow. So the, the comments about my appearance or whatever weren't usually that big of a deal. I was kind mm -hmm. of like, okay, fine. Not everybody's gonna like how you look. 
but the comments about, you know, oh, you just need to shut up and look pretty and mm. other types of things like mm-hmm. along those same lines, usually phrased not quite as nicely, <laughs> uh, were, <laughs> uh, were the things that really, I think, began to chip away at my identity, thinking, mm. wait, you know, what what am I all about? Um, do I have value here? You know, these things that I've spent my whole life working on are suddenly now, you know, not being recognized at all. So that, I think, was perhaps the most difficult part of, especially at that age and that point in life, as you try to figure out, um, you know, who you are, what you're about and what your next steps in life are going to be. That became a a huge uh, part of that year and the years following. Hmm. So up to that point, you had kind of mapped out this ideal plan for your life. And you, I mean, you had said from early on, you wanted to go into law school and you wanted to get some ambitious goals for that. (laughs) I think you had said you wanted to become a judge and then become a Supreme Court judge or then then president. Uh, Were that still on the, were you still on that trajectory once you won Miss America? Well, yeah, actually. So it was interesting that in in that regard, I do think that that year sort of solidified for me that that was still what I wanted to do. Um, I enjoyed a lot of aspects of the you know public speaking and working with people and and focusing on issues that I cared about. Um, but there were pieces of it that I that I didn't enjoy quite as much. So it did help me realize, yes, I still want to go to law school. Yes, I'd still like to be an attorney. Um, at that point, yes, I still wanted to go into politics. I think that piece has changed more now. <laughs> but, Especially after the last you know, number of years. Fact, <laughs> truly, truly. Yeah, the last few years began to, to change that for me a little bit. But, but back then, yes, that was still very much um, the route I realized was, was kind of for me. Now, um, I still would like to become a judge. That's still my whole highest goal in life. So that, that piece definitely is still there as well. So, so yeah, the work as Miss America um, was rewarding in a lot of ways, but it also helped me realize that's not the route I wanted to go the rest of my life. You know, motivational speaking or, or entertainment generally or those types of things were not so much for me. Um, but the aspects that were more geared toward what I had already wanted to do with policy advocacy and government work and and legal work that really helped me realize, yes, that's the right path for me. Mm -hmm. So, and you kind of answered this in a little way, but I want to kind of dive into this. So before you won Miss America, what was really those things that motivated you most? What were the motivating factors for your life? Oh goodness. Um, I think definitely my faith, number one, um, you know, that was definitely a a huge part of everything that I did. That was one of my, my primary goals and even competing at Miss America was, you know, trying to be a a, a light for Christ and, and show him through me and through what I did. And that remained a goal throughout that year and beyond just, you know, in whatever way that I could impact other people's lives and make a positive difference that it would be, um, in an attempt to show God's love to other people in every way. Um, certainly then also along those same lines was was sort of making an impact in the way that I felt my talents were most suited and that tended to be toward um, policy, government, law, that sort of thing is always where I felt most led and that's always been very motivating to me. Um, I think that obviously law and government is something that touches every single person's life, whether they like it or not, (laughs) whether you live in a small town in Nebraska or whether you're anywhere else in the country. And so um, that always remained, you know, a motivating factor to me to do, uh, to make an impact in whatever way I could in those specific realms. Um, And I think that that remains a huge motivation. 
Um, now, of course, I'm sure as you know, these days now being a parent, you get a whole new motivation as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, right. And I was going to say, what changed then? You know, what, yeah. what, how is that motivation different now? Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm sure, you know, as you and any parent knows it, it, it really, it can, first of all, change some things about, you know, what you want to do and what motivates you, but it also solidifies a lot of things mm. about why you care about changing the world in specific ways, why mm. you care about um, making your corner of the world a better place. Place for your kids, for your grandkids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it it has definitely in that way only continued to motivate me to 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 do the things I've always wanted to do. Now with the new reason of this is the world that my son is going to be living in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know that could be a scary world, right? <laughs> yes, it's terrifying. <laughs> now you know with him at four years old, I do think about how much will change yeah. in the next 10, 20 years as he grows up. And some of that is encouraging, you know, and you think, oh, that's going to be great. And then, yeah, some pieces of it are pretty scary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. How, what is this world going to be that he's growing up in? And so in whatever way that I can, um, you know, impact the small pieces that that I can in my own life to make it better for him, I will. I think that in some ways, after Miss America, a few years later, five years later, I had him. I think that maybe the the piece of my perspective that changed was that in this time in my life, my corner of the world, my little area of influence is all that I need to focus on. Mm-hmm. I think that before I sort of had this idea that if I am not reaching every single person in the country and nearly every single person in the world, then I'm not making a difference. Mm-hmm. And I think since having him, it makes you realize, first of all, I have the opportunity to impact this one life in a mm-hmm. very specific way, probably impact him maybe more than anyone else ever will in his entire life. And that really, I think, hones in your focus to realize that that is your number one priority with the short time that you have with your children. Um, But then also in other areas of my life, I realized, you know, maybe it's enough to just be impacting the the small sphere of influence that you have at any given time mm-hmm. you know your community your neighborhood your church your you know those small pockets of society that you're involved in that is always going to be enough you know if mm-hmm. every day we're trying to show love to other people and impact other people positively that's okay and so it, in some ways it sort of took the stress off me too of mm-hmm. this idea that you have to be, I don't know, you know, number one in the world at everything in order to make a difference, right? So you know, that's something that it's, it's taken me a lot longer to learn that. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know, you know, I, you know, I make documentaries, as you know, and I'm thinking I'm going to just change the world with these films. Right. And then, you know, you, you don't get the visibility that you think. And then you re- realize that, you know what, I have people that I'm connected to that I can influence, that I can right. impact. Yeah. And that's where I need to shine. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not always about the masses and, and changing the world. It's about changing my neighborhood or even yeah. my neighbor or right. just impacting their life. Yes. Because you think about really, I guess, you know, what would the overall goal be of, of, of impacting the whole world? It would be to touch individual lives still, yeah. you know? So right. no matter what scale you're doing that on, really you're accomplishing the same goal. And so I, I have been pretty convicted by that similarly, you know, that, wait, if I, if I really care about changing people, why should it matter to me, mm. you know, whether it's this one life at a time impacting lives versus thinking that I need to do it on this grand 
grand scale, right? It's really the same thing, the same goal. And if each person is participating in that, then we're accomplishing that objective regardless, right? So, right. so yeah, that that has been, um, I would say, a pretty significant change, especially since having my son. Mm, but sure. it remains a, a a huge motivation, you know, that daily, every day you get up, you know, what is um, that, that purpose that you have the ability to impact other people, what do you have to share with the world and with other people that you come into contact? Mm. So when you were going through that year, you know, when you're 17, 18 years old, going through traveling the world, seeing, you know, being in front of huge crowds, you know, riding in the big parade and Macy's, <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving day parade, all that yeah. stuff. Was it ever a time when you thought, is this really worth it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, to be perfectly honest, yes, there's, um, maybe possibly daily, you kind of, <laughs> um, it, it was a strange combination because you know why you're doing what you're doing. Like we just talked about, right. Mm-hmm. You know, the lives that you're impacting, you would have people come up to you and explain, um, you know, what you mean to them, what, how they've been inspired, whatever. And that those were those re- rewarding moments that tell you, okay, it's worth it. I'm doing something right here. I always knew that, that this was worth it. But then of course there are those other pieces specifically, like I was saying, because it's, the Miss America pageant that people are always going to want to kind of devalue it and say that you're not doing anything. You're just standing there and looking pretty like Mm -hmm. this is detrimental to society, but you're not, you're not, you don't have anything of value to add to other people. Right. And so specifically things like sometimes parades, the more glamorous events, when it is the smiling and waving, the signing autographs, those are fun, but there are always those moments that hit you of, what am I doing? Is this, is this really meaningful? Does this have some type of substance to it? That sort of thing. Um, and so I did struggle with that quite a bit. I think, again, it's similar though, even now when you do small things in life that whether it's for the sake of art, the sake of beauty, the sake of whatever, um, you can think that there's no meaning behind it, but there still is, you know? So I think that was important important on a daily basis to try to go back to what is my purpose here? What was my reason all along? How has this program and this pageant impacted my life? Then I know that it can also impact other women's lives. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was, yeah, it was a constant redefining and trying to go Mm -hmm. back to why am I here? Why am I doing this? And I would definitely say at the end of the day, at the end of the year, I would go back and do it all again, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, hands down, I wouldn't change a thing. If I had, you know, if I went back 12 times, I would still always do it again. It was, mm-hmm. it was so worth it. What would you say to those young girls who are, have visions of, you know, being Miss America? And what would you say to them uh, to encourage them or to guide them in that process? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the greatest thing about the competition to me was always the preparing for competition, the the whole, like I said, the fact that every aspect of it helped me uh, challenge myself in every area. It helped me become and stay well-rounded. Um, you want to challenge yourself in academics. You want to be involved in your community and volunteering. Um, you know, you want to hone your talent, your onstage talents. Um, there are just so many different aspects there that help encourage you to work on yourself, both internally, externally, so many different things that to me, that was the best part that I would say to 
I say this to all women and to all contestants, winning is not the best part. Like really once you win, there's a tendency to almost not then be challenging and yourself. Coast on your laurels yeah, and exactly, yeah, right. You yeah. think, okay, I'm number one. <laughs> <I made it. laughs> yeah. And and I think that I realized, man, no, it was the years that I was competing and challenging myself and having that. And I'm a competitive person anyway. So I love mm. that piece of it too. Mm. You know, you you get the thrill of competition, you have camaraderie with the other contestants. Those are the best parts. And so I say it sounds like a cliche, of course, but enjoy the process, enjoy the journey. It cannot be about this goal of winning at all because everyone knows at the end of the day, you know, up to 12,000 women compete across the country every year for Miss America and only one is going to win. And we all know that. So it's kind of silly if you're, if you're, you know, placing your whole identity and purpose on winning that title, that may or may not happen. What you do have control over is how much effort you're putting in along the way, the lessons that you're learning along the way, are you growing and improving and challenging yourself every single day? So the only benchmark you really need is, am I better today than I was yesterday? Not, did I win the title or not? Hmm. Because that's so subjective. Hmm. What's one thing that you learned about yourself that year? Oh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I learned a lot. Uh, First of all, um, I learned and to this day still I guess trying to remember and continue to learn it when I am not physically in proximity with people I tend to very much pull away not stay in contact not stay close not keep my inner circle um, close that was a huge detriment during that year you know being away from home being away from family I basically did not stay in touch with people I would talk to my parents maybe like a couple times a month, maybe, you know, just very limited. Um, I did not realize the importance of an inner circle, especially at times like that, when you need a solid sounding board of, you know, people who know you best, people who are going to be honest with you, hold you accountable, but also help you maintain your confidence, you know, when... Because you had strangers, like, telling you what to do and where to go and where to stand and exactly. all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> and so to not have that inner circle anymore and to just think you're on your own is a terrible feeling. And I think mm-hmm. that as I get older, too, it continues to be a lesson I'm learning about myself is the importance of having that solid inner circle of people that you trust, who know you very well. Um, so I'm naturally an introvert as well. And so it is even more important to me to have a very small number of very close people. And those can be the people whose opinions I trust instead of going with every opinion of every other person, right? Um, and as a Christian too, I think that became very clear to me that I had this skewed perspective. Something I, I learned about just myself and my thinking was that I thought that as a Christian, you have to please everybody. Everybody has to like you. That if you're doing your job of showing love to other people, then that would mean that everybody loves you, which is a silly thing to think because, of course, that's not true. And, of course, Jesus had plenty of people who didn't like him. So, you know, but that was something I had to learn, really, was that that is not the definition of showing love to other people. It, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to um, like you or, or anything like that. And so that's a piece that, you know, to this day, 
I'm trying to continue to, to work out in my own life and show to my son even is that all that matters is that you are doing what you're supposed to do and you can't control other people's reactions or their opinions or their feelings about you. And that's okay. Um, so that was a huge learning process. I think that even again, 10 years later, I certainly haven't mastered. Um, but I learned that those two pieces, um, were, were sort of skewed thinking at that point. Mm-hmm. What was something with that experience? What are you most thankful for? Oh goodness, a lot of things. Um, <laughs> a lot of things. Uh, I'm just astounded by people's belief in me. I guess you know, I starting from back then, Miss Nebraska at 17. The number of people who invested their time and energy into me the number of people who were so supportive and just believed in me thoroughly. And when, when I, you know, probably didn't believe in myself at that point was incredible. And the fact that they continued to love me through all the bad times, all the good times, you know, to this day, um, I'm always overwhelmed looking back and thinking back, especially to people here in Nebraska who are always just so incredibly loving and supportive and encouraging to me at all different times in my life. And again, it didn't matter whether I was doing well or doing bad at different points, like that, that blows me away. Um, I'm so thankful for that. I hope that I can be that kind of person in in someone's life or in in people's lives. um, Because I know that that has mattered so much to me over these past 10 years. And then even prior, um, I, I'm thankful for people for sure out of, mm-hmm. out of all of it. Um, people who have kind of stuck their neck out for me in different situations, people who have been my advocate and supporter. Um, there's nothing like it. And certainly that experience is Miss America just opened that even open that up even more to me where it's people all over the country, all over the world who have just been incredibly influential in my life. And I wouldn't be, the person that I am today, I wouldn't have been the person that I was even as Miss America without those people and those influences in my life. Um, so I have so many people to be really thankful for. Mm-hmm. So speaking of influences, who has been some of the biggest influences in your life? Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, there's a lot. I would, I would say even a couple former Miss Americas who I really, really look up to and admire um, and have, have it, aspired to emulate in a lot of ways. Um, there were several right around my year that were very influential in my life. Um, Katie Stam from Indiana was someone who was very influential to me and still is. Um, definitely, of course, again, it's cliche, but my parents, <laughs> my parents are huge influences sure. in my life, of course. Mm-hmm. They, um, they obviously shaped and molded me in so many ways that I'd never be able to explain the type of influence that they've, that they've had. Um, I would also say that throughout the years, many, many college professors and law school professors, um, my undergrad at Patrick Henry College, there were, there were so many incredible professors there that um, really changed my life in, in very significant ways. Um, then now in law school as well, when I first started, you know, Jace was two years old. We were on our own for the first time. We just moved out there right after I finished 
basically. You moved out, out to Berkeley, right? Yeah. Right. So right. that's a big change from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had just finished basic training in tech school over the summer. And then two weeks later, we moved out to Berkeley. I started law school. He started preschool. Um, you know, it was a very tough time. Mm. I cried a lot the first semester. <laughs> I think I cried in every professor's office that, that semester. And yet they were just incredible to me. You know, I honestly was at a point where I wasn't sure if I made the right choice. I thought maybe I needed to quit and try again later when he was a little older, different things like that. And yet the, the mentorship and support of those professors was just incredible. And um, that helped me through. And then after the first year, it was like, okay, I, I can do this. I know I made the right choice. We're, we're going to be okay. Um, but it took a little while. So, so they have been hugely influential in my life, especially these last couple of years. Mm -hmm. What's been the biggest thing that you've learned or biggest surprise that you've had from being a mom? Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, biggest surprise. Oh, man. I mean, there's, there's, always new surprises. Oh, sure. <laughs> there are always new surprises. I was, uh, what was it, a couple months ago, I think, um, when I was here at my parents, kind of over the time we were all quarantining, and um, <laughs> Jace came upstairs and said, I have a bead stuck in my nose. <laughs> and I thought that he was past the age of putting things in his nose, ears, right. mouth, whatever. Like he hasn't done that in years, right? So we went through that whole stage, maybe one or two, you know, where they're trying to put everything mm -hmm. in the mouth and nose. But now he's four. I, I kind of let him play, do his thing, and I don't worry about that. And I go, oh my goodness, like I, this was just not something I expected him to do. And it, sure enough, it was very stuck. We tried to get it with tweezers. We tried everything, and it was just it was in his nose. And I'm like, okay, he's going to breathe it in if he if this keeps going on. So I ended up having to take him to quick care, and they got it out. He's perfectly fine the whole time, you know, just <laughs> no problem whatsoever. I'm freaking out, thinking out, thinking he's going to inhale the thing. So there's always new surprises of what, you know, you don't, you don't ever know where your child is in different phases, whether, you know, what's going to happen next. Every age is a new experience as he gets older. Um, it's both a good and a bad thing, I guess, that it always changes. <laughs> it just always changes. Every year is new. Every it's not boring, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think, and I think maybe that's the piece, especially now that I've, learned the most and um has kind of surprised me the most is that he is can be very similar to me like we can have this relationship that is very fun like very close that we can enjoy spending time together that you know i just legitimately enjoy being around him his company his personality how much he makes me laugh you know i think that so many times, maybe especially when they're younger, like babies, you kind of think of it as this, uh, just this caregiving responsibility. But really, at a certain point, it becomes much more about the the human that they are, their personality, their individuality, and how do I support that? How do I empower that, right? You know, how do I um, just from here on out help him be the best person that he can be? Um, in his own way, not try to make him into me, but now just try to support and, and encourage the person that he is. And I know that, you know, in a few years, it's going to be 
letting go of more control on my side and realizing he's not a baby anymore and just continuing to, to let him um, find his own way. And that's both scary and really cool. So <laughs> I think that that's, um, that's a constant learning experience and, and always surprising to me. Mm-hmm. So you decided to go and join the military, join the, the Air Force. Yeah. Uh, so what was your motivation there? And are you still involved in that? Yeah, the, the, that was one of those things that during my year as Miss America, I realized, um, yes, I appreciate what I'm doing now, but I also see what I want to do in the future to, um, to contribute in an even more tangible way. So basically, one of my very first appearances, when I first won two weeks later, um, one of the first things that I did was visit Walter Reed and Bethesda military mm-hmm. hospitals in mm-hmm. D.C., um, and I was still 17. I hadn't turned 18 yet. So they had to get like special authorization to even <laughs> visit because you can't until you're, you're 18. But so I, I got the authorization. I went and visited and we were visiting wounded warriors there. And that was a difficult, but life-changing experience for me. Um, specifically because when I won, of course, everyone had said a lot about my age and they had been mm-hmm. the kind of all of the talk had been around, oh, you're only 17 and now turning 18 and your life has changed so much, right? And I go there and most of the men that I was visiting um, who had just lost one limb, multiple limbs, um, they were also 18, 19, 20 mm. years old, like very young for the most part. Yeah. Um, and that was really convicting to me Um, yes, my life had changed in a very significant way, but their life had changed in a very significant way as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of it was, you know, pretty difficult. They had just come from Landstuhl hospital in Germany and it was kind of just their second stop. A lot of these injuries were very fresh, were very new. Um, but just visiting with them, you know, talking, laughing, signing autographs that, I understand that that was meaningful and impactful in its own way, I guess. But at the time, also, I just had this sense of I I want to do something more tangible to serve service members. And I felt ever since then a sense of sort of obligation almost that I had a responsibility to serve. And so ever since then, I had wanted to join. Um, I knew that whether it was only just for four years or or whatever, that Mm -hmm. I, I needed to um, fulfill that responsibility in some way. And so I began looking into joining, um, really ever after that. And initially I had waited to graduate college. I had figured, you know, I'll I'll commission afterward and do JAG work. I'll wait until I graduate law school. (laughs) Again, once I had Jace, it just made me realize like, stop putting things off, (laughs) stop, stop waiting for the perfect time. (laughs) It's never going to be just do it. And so that's when I decided to go ahead and do it and uh, found out about the guard because, you know, prior my mindset had very much been, well, there's active duty or nothing. You know, I didn't Mm -hmm. know about all of the options available. Mm -hmm. And so when I found out about the guard, that was a great way to still be able to serve and yet also make sure that, um, you know, I had the stability that I wanted for Jace, Mm -hmm. not moving around as much, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So decided to go ahead and join on the enlisted side. And the job I chose was services, again, to try to 
be able to just do whatever I could physically and tangibly to serve. So we're in food, fitness, lodging, and mortuary services. So typically, you know, on a normal weekend at the base, we're cooking food for the whole day, <laughs> right? So it's it's great yeah. to be at a very support capacity mm-hmm. of uh, for sustainment services in, in my job right now. And it's just something totally different, which I love. Uh, so I'm really, I'm really glad that I went ahead and did that. It's been three years now that I've been enlisted mm-hmm. in for six currently, but hope to, to, you know, continue to stay in even after mm-hmm. that. Um, but after I graduate law school, I would like to commission and do JAG work because mm-hmm. that's, that's ultimately what I had wanted to do in the military and, and would still love to, um, so it's been it's it's been a great experience, especially in, in again realizing how much variety there is within the military. Mm-hmm. I had the mindset, I'm sure as most people do who don't have family in the military, of it's all frontline troops. Right. <laughs> if you don't yeah. want to do that, you can't do anything, right? right? And it's just so not true. You know, there's yeah. every job you can think of, mm-hmm. there's every type of person you can think of, mm-hmm. you know, there's just so much opportunity there. You can make it work with pretty much anything. I mean, if I can make it work with, with law school and being a single <laughs> parent and whatever, like anyone can really make it work in their sure. life. So I just, yeah, I, I say that, um, don't be like me and wait and put it off forever, but mm-hmm. for anybody, you know, who wants to join and feels that, um, that, and wants to serve in some way, I've, I've just thought it's such a great experience and I've appreciated it so much. Yeah. My sister was in the, uh, in the air force and then her last, and she's retired last year, oh, but she was a, she was an air national guard recruiter in Mississippi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did really well. Ended up with a lot of stripes on her sleeve. Nice. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, so it was fun to see my little sister, you know, go through that and experience yeah. that. She Very was actually cool. deployed in the first Gulf war. She was in, I think Cutter. Okay. At one of the Air Force bases over there. Okay. But then she found out she was pregnant, and so she came home. And then oh, she, okay. after nine eleven, she reenlisted. Oh wow! And uh, went and served again, and uh, ended up as a recruiter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, See, and that's that's a thing. There's so many options and different paths you can take in it. That's so cool. Really, yeah, really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, in all your years, and you've met thousands of people around the world, who is one person that stands out that you've met? Oh goodness. Um, oh man. It's one of those things that I would have to like look back and probably look through pictures and all sorts of things. First of all, I have a terrible memory. Um, especially ever since I had my son, I feel like my entire life is a blur. And if I don't look at <laughs> pictures, I can't remember anything. Um, oh goodness. Specific people. I might have to come back to you on that mm-hmm. because they're, there, there are several, I guess, in different ways. I think that, yeah, the tough thing is there's different, there's different aspects, of course. So, mm-hmm. so people stand out in, in different ways to me. For example, I, I remember when we were in Germany, um, I had visited a, uh, a hospital there and there was a young boy, I think he was about eight years old, who um, had... I think he was from Iraq and had been flown to the hospital in Germany when he got injured in basically war related violence. Mm -hmm. And um, he had been through eight surgeries already, was going through more, just had experienced so much already. Um, And I mean, specifically physical 
pain and difficulties, but also in every other area of life already at such a young age. Mm. And yet when I came to visit, he was so excited and he had made me a beaded bracelet that was like beautiful, seriously incredible. He had worked so hard on it and gave it to me. And um, I still have the bracelet. And that was something that stood out to me, I guess, as that, again, that idea of it honestly and truly does not matter, um, you know, how little you have or, or whatever, that, that he would think to do something for someone else and um, that he wanted to give me something instead of vice versa. Um, that's been a pretty significant thing, I guess, in my life, as we were talking about that whole idea of like, you can always do one thing for one mm -hmm. other person. And yeah. that, kind of, that kind of blew me away, you know, um, at that mm -hmm. age, at that moment in life that mm -hmm. he was, that he was focused on and interested in making something and giving something to someone mm -hmm. else who didn't need anything. It wasn't about that. Right. It was just about, you know, making that, that contact and that mm -hmm. connection. Um, so that's, that's definitely at least one person mm -hmm. who, yeah. who stood out to me tremendously that year. Yeah. You know, those kind of experiences, I know in my travels, I've done some work in Ukraine over the past number of years and, and met some amazing people. You know, a lot of these people that I've met are, are orphaned young people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember one time there was an orphan, a young man who is in a wheelchair and, you know, doesn't have use of his legs. And we kind of developed this relationship and, uh, you know, he, I couldn't speak any Ukrainian or Russian and he couldn't speak any English, but we had this thing and he had these circle things, those little things you snap on your wrist. Remember those things? Oh, kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember those things? Yeah. So he had one of those things on his wheelchair and I was like, hey, well, that, that, that's kind of cool. He took it off and gave it to me. <laughs> right. And I still have it on my backpack that I wear, you know, when right. I travel. Right. And when I went back to see him back back to Ukraine a couple of years later, you know, I had it on my backpack and I showed him and said, see, this is what you gave me. You know, it was just that moment of connection. Yep. And I'll never forget that. And I'll always I'll always have that on my backpack because it reminds me of that relationship and of that young man. Yep. Right. And what, yeah. And again, that, that instinct of just, Oh, you mentioned that you liked it here. I'll give it to you. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Right. Right. Really, really incredible that, that, yeah, that's the type of attitude I, I hope to have and continue to cultivate more is sure. that idea of constantly looking out for what I can do for other people, what I can give to other people. And I think some people maybe have that innately or just continue to, to work on having that attitude because it's incredible. Yeah. Um, another Another person that I think um, has always been a huge inspiration to me, and and now I'm lucky to call a friend, um, is Jane Horton. Uh, she I, I met her when her husband was killed in Afghanistan, mm. and um, we you know began to talk and keep in touch and that sort of thing over the years. And she has just been incredible because since 2011, when her when her husband was killed, she has taken that and used it as a way to become a huge advocate for spouses of military members, specifically gold star wives and those who have, have lost someone. Um, she now works at the Pentagon and has been working with the White House on all sorts of veteran issues and uh, veteran family issues and the impact that she's had and the fact that over these past years, she has just worked so incredibly hard. Like she could have at that point, you know, decided 
I'm done. I'm out of this realm entirely. She didn't need to do any of this, but the Mm -hmm. fact that she has just continued to make this her passion and purpose in life and is influencing the absolute highest levels of government right now to, to share her story and her experience. And she knows firsthand Mm -hmm. what these spouses and families need. She's just always been so incredible in that regard and and a huge inspiration to me. Um, And and now a great friend as well. Mm -hmm. She's, She's also the kind of person that will do anything for anyone. Um, mm-hmm. And so she's just always been fantastic to me. And um, but yeah, I, that was someone who I was very um, lucky to meet and continue to work with um, because that was a huge picture of taking whatever you've been dealt, whatever you've experienced, and then thinking, how can I now use this um, in, a, in a way to impact other people and, and really honoring her husband's life and legacy as mm. well, which is incredible. Mm. Very cool. So part of your, your uh, win at Miss America was your talent in playing the piano. Are you still playing the piano? Uh, not as much as I would <laughs> like. Um, I will say that this year kind of got me back into it. I had yeah. not played in many years, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finally, when things really slowed down and shut down, I, I thought I have no excuse now <laughs> not to get back into it. So I started playing a little bit more. Um, I brushed come up. back to you? <laughs> I mean, sort of. You know, it's interesting. I mean, people say it's like riding a bike. I don't know if it's like riding yeah. a bike to me. But, right. but it's something that, yeah, eventually I could sort of get back into it. But um, I brushed up my, you know, original piece that I won with at Miss America. And then what I What was that? What was that piece? Whitewater Chopsticks by Calvin okay. Jones. Um, so I, I also started learning a couple other pieces of his because I love all of his music um and i hadn't learned really a new piece of piano music in probably 10 years so (laughs) i i finally started doing that a little bit more and i hope to continue um it is stress relief for me you know Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of my time alone and so it's something that i hope to continue to do you know throughout starting to work at the firm and that sort of thing it's easy Mm -hmm. to let go of and just to never get around it but so now I, I try to take at least a few minutes every day to, yeah. to just sit down and play something. Um, so I hope that I'll continue to do that. Well, I encourage you to do that because it was amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> so when the movie about your life is made, so when you make a movie, you write this thing called a log line. It's kind of description of the movie. It's that thing that you read in the newspaper. What's this movie about? You read that one sentence, you know what that movie's about. When the movie about your life is made, what will the log line be? Oh, goodness. Um, let's see. Well, I, I mean, of course, this is from my perspective right now of mm-hmm. just more, more recently than anything. Um, and perhaps it will be very different in the future. But I think it's um, one thing I can say that I've seen a sort of a storyline over 20 or so years, I guess, um, would be that I thought I gained everything. I thought I was on top of the world. Then I thought I lost everything. I thought I was at the bottom. And then I learned to rebuild life again and find new purpose and new meaning and begin to, to rebuild my life from the, from the ground up. So I don't know what that's going to look like in the future, 
but I think that's been the storyline so far and to this day. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Very cool. What's the, um, I know you have been involved in some organizations, some nonprofits, what, what's your passion? What can people donate to or what, what, what do you encourage people to you know, donate to that, that you're associated with? Yeah. So I'm currently on the board of Youth Service America and have been for about six years now. Um, Youth Service America, YSA.org um, is a really cool organization because they support young people who are doing different types of service projects all over the world. So they give grants and scholarships and all sorts of things to young people who already have some type of passion project they're involved in. And so it's really cool to um, just kind of be a, a supporter and again, empowering young people to take up the, you know, the mantle of service and impacting people. And it's, it's awesome to see the types of things that these young people are doing around the world, no matter where they live. It can be clean water projects. It can be um, environmental projects, it can be homeless projects. It can be so many different things. Um, but what's really, I think, a great reason to support them and a reason I'm involved is because oftentimes young people really do know what's most needed, you know, for, for children, for their communities, for they see the need, they figure out in really creative ways how to help fill that need. And I just think that the more that we can support and encourage that, um, the better, because like, as we were saying, this is about the type of world that's created for the next generation, right? And so that's an organization I absolutely love um, and that I hope that other people will also continue to support because it's not easy right now as well, not to being able to do all the same fundraisers, not being able to do all the same service events, you know, every year there's Global Youth Service Day, um, which is, you know, a specific day that everyone's encouraged to go out in their communities and work on their projects. Mm -hmm. And those types of things, of course, have been radically altered this year. Mm -hmm. But I think that um, in, in whatever way we can, supporting those young people who already have these passions and interests and are already making such a huge impact and just giving them resources giving them education. Another thing that YSA does is creates like curriculum and programs for teachers to use in their classrooms um, to help start to educate and motivate young people to start volunteering in their communities and to start serving in different ways, which I also think is incredibly important. You know, we don't usually have in most public schools, any type of service requirement. Mm -hmm. And so I just think the more that we can at least educate and motivate and inspire young people to get started in these types of things, the better. Um, uh, because so many times you have young people who are just never exposed to the idea even of, I can make a difference in my community. Um, then there's the whole individual aspect even for young kids of, again, not feeling like they can make a difference. And so for kids who struggle with self-esteem issues, all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, self-image and that sort of thing, being able to make a difference and see the impact they're making and do something worthwhile and meaningful can be huge. It can be so life-changing, you know, for, for those who are struggling with all sorts of different issues, addiction, poverty, so many things that can be a turning point in and of itself is just realizing that I have the ability to make some kind of impact in someone else's life. And so to me, that's kind of like the starting point for almost everything um, is making that sort of change in a child's life um, so that they, again, can grow up to be people who continue that, continue to change their world. I think that 
aspect of giving back or reaching out and, 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 and doing service to your fellow man is really key in the, so in 2018, I finished a film called Heroin's Grip, the story about the opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time for two years, I spent time with people I never thought I'd hang out with. And it was, it changed me. And so many people in recovery, you know, one of their aspects of recovery, and it's, it's part of just about every 12 step program is, is making a difference is, is giving back is volunteering your time. And, you know, being really engaged in that way, you know, when we do that, one thing, it helps me feel better. Yeah. You know, and it's changing the world. It's changing that individual that I'm serving and and that organization that I'm serving. I think that's so important. Exactly. And I think that, you know, something we talk about at YSA a lot is that oftentimes we talk about helping kids and kind of making it a us doing it for them type of thing or giving them something or doing something for them. And I think it actually is a lot more impactful when you do flip the script a little bit mm-hmm. and let them be the ones to exactly what you're saying, experience that mm-hmm. idea of being able to now reach out, make a difference, that sort of thing. So it's just about supporting that and empowering them to do that, um, both financially and with resources and education and all sorts of stuff, because so many times we can take this very um, well, of course, it's like a paternalistic view on, on young people. And oftentimes they just need to actually feel like they can uh, make a difference and do something meaningful with their lives. Mm-hmm. And so that I think that's kind of important to change both that perspective and that script for them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, Teresa, what's the next big thing for you? <laughs> uh, big thing. Let's see. Surviving 2021. <laughs> Let's see. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting to try to even make plans at this point. Um, but truly, of course, the, the big thing, I guess, would be graduating law school. So that's coming sure. for me. I'll graduate in May of 2021, God willing, and uh, take the Texas bar over the summer and then uh, begin working at a firm doing business litigation in, uh, in the fall. So this year is going to be a, a lot of big changes, <laughs> kind of regardless of what happens, honestly, sure. in the world. It's, it'll be big changes, I'm sure. Uh, my son will be starting kindergarten, so mm. that's a big change as well. Um, so I think, yeah, right now, that's, it's, it's crazy. It's almost overwhelming at times to realize that this has been a point in life that I've been looking forward to for a very long time, graduating law school and beginning work as an attorney. And it's kind of crazy to see that that's actually happening. Um, so this is going to be a big year for sure. Um, just, you know, personally on those levels and then, yeah, seeing what happens next. Yeah. So are you still tied back to the Miss America organization? Are you doing things with them at all or? You know, I've, I've not been great about it these last couple of years, especially since law school. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand. Thing, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, the good thing is that really the the former Miss Americas are um, just a great sisterhood. Generally, mm-hmm. you know, there's I think only sixty some currently living Miss Americas, and so it's a relatively small group that we stay in touch. We stay connected as much as possible. Um, in the past, we had tried to get together every year and do a little reunion at someone's house, and that didn't happen this year, of course. But um, so in that regard, still connected, still you know in contact and involved. Now, Miss America organization is at a hundred years in 2021. So they began in 1921, and we're going to be celebrating our 100 year anniversary. So this is a big year. So if I can, and if all goes well, you know, try to make it back to the pageant, be involved mm-hmm. as much as possible. Um, but that's been a couple of years, I think, since I have been been back. 
Um, and then here and there, you know, I'll, I'll talk to contestants and offer advice when I can and when they reach out, that sort of thing. Again, it's, it's been a little more limited recently, mm-hmm. um, but that it, it's something that will never go away. You know, mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no part that you're ever going to be 100% removed from sure. America because it'll always be a part of my life, which is awesome. Sure. So there are some years that are more involved than others, but that's just forever um, a piece, you know, of of who I am and who I'm connected with. Mm -hmm. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Congratulations to all the things that you've accomplished and what you're going to accomplish. I know you're going to accomplish great things. We're going to, we're going to hear more from Teresa Scanlon in the future, I'm sure in one way or the other. And so I just want to say thank you for, uh, for your for your generosity and taking time to talk to me today here on the thank podcast you. i really I appreciate, appreciate it. it thanks for having me thank you Teresa, for coming on the show today i really enjoy talking with you and i can't wait to see what you do next and congratulations on finishing law school this coming may that's a huge accomplishment and it's exciting to see where you're going to go next and we'll all be watching and cheering you on from the sidelines coming up next time on the my story podcast i have an interview with ryan van duzer Ryan is a YouTuber, he's an outdoor enthusiast, an adventurer, and he has an amazing YouTube channel that you should check out. If you enjoy the outdoors or if you enjoy bicycling, you'll enjoy his channel. He's done some amazing, epic bike trips that he documents on his YouTube channel. And we're gonna talk to him and talk about how he got to where he is today, how he became a YouTube star, and the adventures that he seeks. Ryan is an amazing human being. He's so positive and uplifting, and I know you'll enjoy this interview. In the meantime, go check him out on YouTube, Ryan Van Duzer. I think it's at Duzer TV. You can check him out, and we'll come back next week for the interview. And don't forget to become a Patreon if you want to see the video of my interview with him. Become a Patreon supporter of this show. Thanks so much for listening. You have been listening to the My Story Podcast. My name is Conrad Weaver. I've been your host for the show, and I'm so happy that you decided to stop by and listen to our show today. If you'd like to see the interviews that I record here on the My Story Podcast, be sure to join us on Patreon and become a member of the show where you can have access to all the videos for this show and others along the way. The music for today's show is provided by my friend Drew Davidson. You can get all of his music on iTunes or Spotify or at drewdavidson.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. Come back next time for a brand new episode right here on the My Story Podcast. Mm